Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. At the time, we were thinking about raising money and also an acquisition, and we didn't really know exactly which route we were going to go down. We shared that with the team. You know, we said, hey, this is path number one. This is path two. So we chose transparency from the very beginning because, one, we thought it was the right thing to do. Two, we knew the team could handle it. And three, it was really just one of those things where it was going to make the process easier. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Leadership Podcast brought to you by ELC, the engineering leadership community. I'm Jerry Lee founder of ELC. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, and we're your hosts. Our show shares the most critical perspectives, habits, and examples of great software engineering leaders to help evolve leadership in the tech industry. In this episode, Johnny Ray Austin, head of technology flexible rent at Best Egg, takes us behind the scenes of Best Egg's recent acquisition of Till. We explore some of the ways leadership communicated and involved the team before and during the acquisition, And we get into things like how to integrate your team post-acquisition, strategies for minimizing distractions from uncertainty, making product and development changes mid and post-acquisition, relearning your role and navigating new dependencies, the strategic shifts, the business model changes, and exciting new opportunities that come up post-acquisition, and the paradigm shift required to plan for scale. Let me introduce you to Johnny Ray Austin. Johnny is the former chief technology officer for Till, a company that built financial products to help renters pay, stay, and thrive in their homes. After Best Egg acquired Till in late 2022, he transitioned to Best Egg's head of technology for flexible rent, where he continues to scale the flexible rent platform to service millions of units. Johnny is an award-winning engineering executive focused on shipping world-class products while building high-performing engineering teams. He's also an international public speaker, speaking on engineering leadership, system design, and the JavaScript programming language. Acquisitions are high stakes. You have a single shot to get them right, and it is so hard to gain behind-the-scenes exposure before you have to jump in and experience one. That's why we are so grateful for Johnny's help sharing the behind-the-scenes here Enjoy our conversation with Johnny Ray Austin. First, I just wanted to say welcome to the show, Johnny. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. You know, it's a cloudy day in the D.C. area today, but I'm, you know, feeling good, feeling healthy. You know, family is good. Work is busy, but the team is doing well. So, you know, I just don't have much to complain about these days. I love it. So speaking about feeling healthy, feeling good, I had a couple questions of some recent topics you'd brought up kind of on Twitter, just to kind of kick off Mm -hmm. our conversation in a lighter way. I noticed you you talk about protecting your energy uh, in a couple different elements. So I just wanted to bring bring that up and was wondering if you could share a little bit more about, you know, what that means and why that's important to you. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. So I was reflecting on the conversation I was having with my son who's eight and, you know, he's in school and like people make him angry. And, you know, one of the things I was talking to him about is, It's okay to have these feelings like people are going to make you angry. People are going to disappoint you. That's not in your control. You can't control how you feel, but you can control how you react to those things. And that's how you sort of like protect yourself and protect your energy. And so it's really hard to get the hang of. And so the idea is really to sort of, you know, not allow things that are not within your control to like 
penetrate that protective defensive shield you have against like the bad things in the world, essentially. And it sounds like very spiritual. I'm not a very spiritual person, but it's like the way I think about things. And there are many things in the world I just can't control, but I can really control how I react to things and, you know, what I let keep me up at night sort of things. And so when I'm doing this really good job, that means I'm protecting my energy. So that's kind of what I mean by that. Well, I appreciate you being able to extend that lesson out to other folks who are sort of looking into your life externally. Mm-hmm. So like for me reading that and now hearing this, that gives me something really actionable, like a perspective to think about. So I appreciate you sharing that lesson. I also had to kick off this conversation with one other question, because I think one of my favorite Twitter cleansing moments is when I get a really cool cinema take from you uh, that mm-hmm. when you talk through some of the different movies that have made a big impact on you. And since the Academy Awards just kind of happened, you know, I've got movies on yep. the brain and I've seen some interesting perspectives that you've shared. So I just wanted to, you know, this is more of just like the personal pop culture check-in from like the Academy Awards. Are you walking away with any specific takes about some of the movies? Like for me, the renaissance of Brendan Fraser is like one of the most special moments of my life growing up with his movies and then seeing him sort of get to this space. Everything Everywhere All at Once fired me up just in terms of it as a movie and the the actors in it. But yeah, what what are your takes coming off of the Academy Awards? Very similar takes of Brendan Fraser. I mean, my personal discovery of Brendan Fraser like was like Encino Man in the 90s. I mean, people were talking about this because, you know, came up just to kind of see him transition from like that like Encino Man which I actually rewatched recently me my wife and I to his role in The Whale which I, I just watched this very recently I didn't get an opportunity to catch it in theaters but I caught it on streaming which I thought was a really good performance so to kind of just see that growth and just kind of see him starting to make his comeback has like really been great and interesting um he seems like really like a really good guy and just like very humble and all those things. And so I've been really excited to just kind of see his success. So that's been really good. And like The Whale, just like in general, is a really good movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once is very interesting. Like I'm a bit bitter because I had an idea for a short story. I was very, it was very similar to the plot of that movie in a lot of ways. And one of my goals, I don't know, I think it was in 2021. It may have been all the way back in 2019 was like to write that short story. And I didn't write it. I'm not saying it meant anything. And if I had written that story and like it would have been like the movie or whatever, but I'm just saying it's like, oh man, I missed an opportunity to flex on Twitter to say, hey, remember that movie that everyone loved? I wrote a short story like a couple (laughs) years ago based on that. And it was just like that. But the movie itself was like really good. It was really well acted, great performances all around. It was just so different than everything else out there. You know, like there are other movies that are more mainstream that explore the multiverse, which is like really cool. But like that one did it in a way that was just the way I would have interpreted it. So I just thought it was really great for that reason. And so, yeah, it seems like it's really getting all the accolade it deserves. And so I'm really glad to see that. I love it. All the all the human what ifs. So for, for everybody listening in, I just acknowledging a couple of things here. Um, one of the things that I, I've really enjoyed and loved from Johnny is his ability to extend important leadership lessons from <laughs> different elements of pop culture. So if you didn't get a chance to check out his talk at our conference last year, he extended some incredible engineering leadership lessons from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So check that out. But that's kind of why we, we brought this up. It's on his mind, but it's on his mind for a purpose. So with that, Johnny, we've got some engineering leadership things to deconstruct yeah. here. So you just uh, have been experiencing an acquisition. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on there and bring us into your world a little bit about the acquisition and what that's been like for you. For context, for people who don't know, the company I was a part of and of which I was a CTO was uh, named Till and we were acquired by a company called Best Egg at the very end of last year. And so um, as an independent company and even as a department within Best Egg today, our mission remains exactly the same, which is to empower renters to pay, stay and thrive within their homes. And so, you know, the way this came 
came about. I mean, there were definitely like a few different reasons and whatnot. But if anyone recalls the spring and early summer of last year, this year being 2023, last year is 2022. You know, we started seeing like these signs in the economy that things were, you know, a little bit shaky, interest rates going up, that sort of thing. And basically it was very clear that sort of like the heyday of the late 2020, 2021, high valuations, 0% interest rates, and all that stuff was certainly coming to a close. And so as we made the decision whether or not we wanted to remain an independent organization or partner with an organization like Best Day for an acquisition, it became clear that our success in the future laid down the acquisition route. And it was really important that we were successful because one of the main staples within Till at the time and now Flexible Rent within Best Egg was that, you know, we're all here for the mission and our product is something that everyone wanted to see exist in the world. We thought it should exist in the world. And that's so that's why we took the least riskful path in terms of our existence and ensuring that we were around to make sure that we could make sure that this launches correctly. And so that was sort of like the reasoning behind it. But like the experience itself was very interesting. It wasn't necessarily my first acquisition, but it was definitely the one with which I had the most experience exposure as the CTO of Till at the time. And so we can talk about whatever details you like. But, you know, like I said, it started early summer into the mid. We talked to a few different companies. You know, I can't really say who at the time, but Best Egg was definitely the leading contender of all the partners we were talking to. You know, like I said, we started talking to them, trying to figure out, hey, is there a good fit here? Not only from a product alignment standpoint, but like from a culture standpoint, right? We wanted to make sure that our team would fit in well with the team at Best Egg and also bring something new to the table as well. And one of the things that was very clear to us very early on was that we did have a lot in common. Best Egg's mission, you know, was to provide simple solutions to people with limited savings to confidently navigate their everyday financial lives. They were singing our jam. It was like, yeah, this is definitely something that we can be a part of trying to help people pay rent, Best Egg trying to help people, you know, confidently navigate their everyday financial lives. I mean, that's peanut butter and jelly. And so all of those things seem to be aligned. And so as they say in the business world, all the synergies were there. And then obviously from a product and roadmap standpoint, as Best Egg looked to diversify their product portfolio, this was a really good opportunity for them as well to sort of like jump in to a product segment that they had, hadn't had any exposure to in the past, but also bring in some experts some people who had been at it for a few years to really help accelerate that learning and really take advantage of the fact that we had been doing this for a while. Yeah, so I appreciate laying out like the mission alignment, the strategic alignment, and even the long-term roadmap alignment. I think the goal here of this conversation is to help sort of demystify some of the conversations that happen behind the scenes and some of the practical Mm -hmm. elements of that transition for how do you, you know, integrate into a a new company. What I'd love to dive into a little bit, you know, so we talked about Mm -hmm. like the the mission alignment, strategic alignment. What has it been like post-acquisition to integrate new resources within the team? Now we have more people involved, new people involved, new resources resources available. I'd love to learn a little bit more about what that's been like. Now that you got more more things to, to work with, what's that like? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been uh, a net positive. It's been really good because um, one of the things that as an independent company we had, like we had engineers, we had product people, we could always use more. It's the life of a startup. But one of the things we didn't have that we were really um, useful within Best Egg was sort of like this compliance infrastructure, dealing with banks, you know, in the fintech world and regulations and really making sure we were dotting our I's and crossing our T's from a compliance perspective was really, really important. Um, and so now with Best Egg, we sort of like, have that in-house, right? We don't have to go out and contract with people or hire new people in order to help us do this. That's been an absolute game changer and it's it's accelerated our velocity by quite a bit. And also it doesn't hurt that, you know, um, our banking partner 
Best Egg is their biggest customer. And so we went from a small startup being ignored almost to, oh, you know, you have our full attention. Let's figure out how to get this done. So that's been really, really important for our success here. In addition to that, just being able to pull in people from around Best Egg who have expertise in like different areas has been really important even within product and engineering because there are just systems in place that we can take advantage of and integrate now that we don't have to build. So that was super important. But I would also say it's not necessarily a magic bullet. As we know, with the law of diminishing returns, adding more hands doesn't always necessarily increase your velocity. Sometimes it can actually slow you down. So for me and the team, really finding that balance and pulling in resources when it's helpful, but then also really pushing back against resources when it's not helpful has been a, a learning opportunity for a lot of the team. But we've been doing really well. Best has been really gracious with opportunities to help, but also has been really um, cool about falling back when we don't request help or don't need help, not taking it personally in any of those instances, just everyone's super aligned in like helping us launch as soon as possible. The fact that we're all aligned there really makes those conversations a lot easier. In the last week, I've had a couple conversations where a lot of engineering leaders have expressed either anxiety or interest in understanding how to communicate critical things. One person's leaving their team and they have this whole communication structure set up and it didn't work and that caused a ton of stress. The other is communicating with clients during this Silicon Valley Bank sort of fallout element. Um, so right now on a lot of people's mind is just the me mechanisms of effective communication within their teams and make the right thing happen. So to say all that, that I know that you all, you and the executive team approach the acquisition process differently. And so I mm -hmm. would love to dive into how you and the leadership team involved and communicated with your team during this acquisition process. You know, myself and David and Brady, who are the co-founders at Till, like we were really aligned and resolute that we wanted to be like pretty transparent with the team. And, you know, transparency, not meaning necessarily every single detail is communicated all the time, but it's really not withholding crucial information that people need in order to be able to make their own decisions. And so from the very beginning, before we even chose Best Egg as a route, or even before Best Egg was even a contender, like we were very transparent and saying like, look, we are exploring this path, right? At the time, we were thinking about raising money and also an acquisition, and we didn't really know exactly which route we were going to go down. We shared that with the team. You know, we said, hey, this is path number one. This is path two. Path three is a shutdown. Like we were very open in talking about like, this is a path. It's very unlikely, but like this is a thing that could happen. And so we chose transparency from the very beginning because one, we thought it was the right thing to do. Two, we knew the team could handle it. And three, it was really just one of those things where it was going to make the process easier because with the economy, the way it was at the time, people were already, you know, anxious, right? What's going on with tech? What's happening? You know, six months ago, jobs were all over the place. Everyone was offering like now people are thinking about layoffs. Since then, we've seen like a lot of those layoffs come to fruition. But at the time, it was really about are there going to be layoffs? And so we didn't want people to be surprised by anything. And we really wanted to give people an opportunity to just sort of like make whatever decisions they thought best that served them and their families. Obviously, we wanted to keep as many people as possible, but we really wanted to make sure we did right by the team. And so we were very transparent from the very beginning about what we were thinking about doing. And so we were having um, weekly standups full company, David would get up and talk about here's how fundraising is going. Here are conversations with potential acquisition partners are going, right? Here's the path that we think we're going to go down. You know, as we were eliminating paths, we were like saying, okay, you know, we're not going to go independent. There are too many risks there. We're going to go down acquisition. Let's just focus on that here moving forward. Here's this company called Best Egg. Here's why we think they're a good fit for us. You know, here are all the pros and what are the potential cons? And here are some other companies we were talking to. And so 
making progress. We were sharing that with the team along the way. And I was getting feedback, you know, directly, and I'm sure others were as well, that people were really appreciative of that because they knew what was happening behind the scenes. So it gave them the confidence to know that they were making the right decisions for themselves and for their families. And, you know, if it was going to be a best egg, then they were checking out the best egg website, maybe stalking a few of the people who worked there, trying to get a feel for what it would be like to actually work there. Giving people plenty of time to sit with this information was really helpful because when the decision was made and Best Egg was the chosen company, it didn't feel like a surprise. It wasn't like, oh, wait, now I have to think about this whole new company and how's my job going to change, et cetera, because people had already been thinking about this for weeks at that point. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that stands out to me is how powerful it seemed to give your team the choice to participate and to think about it and to essentially respect them enough to share ahead of time. Sure. And and how that led to a sense of ownership and shared interest in mm-hmm. investing, investigating these different pathways. Are there any other sort of lessons or processes around what it was like to communicate to the team throughout this sort of investigative or exploratory phase? Like once it started to get to the phase where you're pretty certain about what the path was going to be like? What was that like? Yeah, I mean, once we knew what the path was going to be, then the conversation very quickly shifted from which path is going to be to obviously this is the path and this is what we need, right? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, we needed everyone to continue to do their jobs to the best of their ability because that was, you know, the reason for the acquisition is because, you know, the product was obviously super important, but also we made it known that the team was the most important thing, right? If we're going to build this thing, Best Egg needed our team to be largely intact because the idea is out there. You know, it's no secret necessarily what we do. And so it's not about, you know, stealing our idea and running away from it. It's about the fact that they believe we were the best team to actually pull this off. And that's why they wanted to work with us. And so communicating to the team that that was the most important thing was actually really helpful because it then it gave them the permission to sort of like focus on their jobs and to continue yeah. just to do a really good job knowing there was something at the end of it, right? It's kind of hard to do your job really well. And it's just like, well, are you going to be a company in a few months? I mean, that's how I would be, essentially. But knowing that, hey, there's someone there, they want us, it's going to be great, don't worry about it, just continue to do your job well, really gave people the opportunity to focus there. And so that was really the important part. And after that, it was really about the balance of not necessarily oversharing, because anyone's ever been through an acquisition knows that like there are just an enormous amount of details and like diligence and things you have to do in order to get things across the finish line. And so it was really about establishing the balance of pulling people in when we needed them, but then also, you know, doing this catch and release sort of thing. All right, thanks for all the help with this. Here's where we are. You did a really good job. Now I need you to go and like, you know, work on these tickets or whatever. So that was a super um, helpful and, you know, important part of the process as well. Yeah, I, I think one of my questions was going to be like, what do you say to help remove the, what could be a distraction risk in a conversation like that, where there is maybe some initial perceived uncertainty. Um, so hearing about like, you need people to do do their best, like yep. communicating that, but then also communicating how valuable that person is. And, and they're the reason why this is taking place in the first place is because yeah. they believe in the team's ability to execute and bring this to life. I mean, it was also important to even before then, like before we even knew this was a thing, you know, establishing trust on the team. And so knowing that the team largely trusted me to sort of do what I needed to do to kind of help get this thing across the line. And if there were important things that needed to be shared, that we would share those things. So we had to lay that groundwork at the beginning of the process. So the team knew we were being transparent with them. So if there were no communications, then the team trusted us that, oh, if there's no news, then like things are either fine or there's just nothing to share right now and that we would share information as we had new information. And so laying that groundwork initially 
gave the team that trust and let them know that we were being transparent with them. And so it made it easier down the road. So it's a classic case of just building the trust over time. And then you can actually cash in on that later on when you need to. So I guess in, a, in sort of a different relationship category, I'm wondering what were helpful conversations to have with the the other executive leaders to help make this process smooth or to be coordinated together to best support the team? Was there anything there that you felt was intentional and helped support this strategic considerations and being able to move forward together? Yeah. I mean, the big one was just aligning that this is what we all wanted to do, right? So everyone from the leadership team 100% came along with the acquisition. That was a key thing. In fact, that was sort of like the first thing, right? There's no sense in bringing the team through this process and, you know, talking with Best Egg's leadership team and bringing in the lawyers and doing all of this stuff. If we weren't all committed to the acquisition and going to make it through to the other side, right? You know, and this wasn't one conversation. It was, you know, an initial conversation. And then, you know, it was David and meeting with everyone on the leadership team in a one-on-one fashion to kind of talk to everyone without the ears of the rest of the team necessarily in case there were like personal matters that needed to be figured out and then bringing everyone back and like talking about it again. And then we like really had to just sort of like say, okay, like this is it. This is the discussion that basically says like we need to walk away with full commitment from the leadership team that this is the route we're going on and that we're all on board because that was the only way that we could all sort of like go to our requisite teams and get buy-in from them, right? Because we needed to believe in what we were doing in order to make sure the team was going to be convinced. So they would know, they would sniff out if I wasn't like, you know, on board or if I was just like reciting from some script that, you know, I wrote ahead of time or that whatever. So it was really important that we established, you know, alignment initially that we were all 100% bought in and on board and Best Egg was the right partner before we went out and had those conversations with the teams. Were there questions you asked yourself to help create that alignment for you first? We talked about mission alignment, obviously being yep. a really important one. Were there other sort of questions that you used to help help weigh and evaluate different pathways? Yeah, of course. I mean, a lot of it was um, the product itself. Obviously, I was at Till to build the product. So a key piece of this was, is this actually going to be the thing we're working on when this deal closes, right? Because that's the reason, you know, I'm here. It's the reason, you know, I came to Till. It's the reason why I decided to go along with Best Egg. It's because it's like, oh, you're still going to be building flexible rent. So that was like the key thing. Besides that, from a personal standpoint, it was just like, okay, here's this company, Best Egg, that I had never heard of initially. Do I see myself here long term? Because, you know, one of the options I didn't see for myself is like, well, I'm not going to go along and then like leave six months later, right? That's not a good look for us as a team. I don't think it's a particularly good look for me necessarily. And so it's like, okay, I need to see myself here long term. Like, do I see myself there? And so those are the main questions I wanted to make sure. And then also... As I was meeting people who worked there on the leadership team and whatnot, it was, can I see myself working alongside these folks long term? Are these the type of folks who I think, you know, are going to, you know, have my back in a pinch? Do I see myself working well with them from an interpersonal standpoint? Um, Are these really smart people? That sort of thing. And luckily, as I got to know everyone there, like it was a resounding yes, like super smart people. It's hard to explain. You know, I've met a lot of people from financial services (laughs) industry and, you know, it could have gone a very different way. But the bunch at Best Egg just are really cut from a different cloth, really nice, humble people, obviously super, super smart. And so definitely see myself, you know, working alongside and building with these folks for a long time. And so that was something I really needed to unlock for myself. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to answer that question pretty early on in the process. Those are great questions to, to go through from the mission, but like personal objective of wanting to create something for the world. And is that something that I'm going to be able to spend my time on? So one, it kind of seems like 
like you focus on spending, like, am I going to be spending my time on the thing that I want to be spending it on and having the impact yep. that I want to have? And then like the people being a big part of that too. Yeah, for sure. Patrick here with some exciting news. We now have 10 local communities of engineering leaders hosting in-person meetups all over the world. Yes, you heard that right. There are 10 local communities in cities all over the world. These groups are led by engineering leaders just like you who wanted to create a place to connect, to share insights, and tackle critical challenges in the job. To get involved, go to elc.community. Sign up if you haven't already. If you have signed up, make sure you update your location and we'll get you plugged in. We're launching local events all the time. You can find them and get involved again at elc.community. So let's talk about product development because, you know, this right, right now this is a big moment for you. A lot of the reasons why, you know, you joined before and now joining Best Egg like is also about bringing this to life and you got a launch coming up. So bring us, I guess, let's rewind your timeline a little bit, a couple months. Like mm -hmm. how does the product development and product launch experience change in the middle or post this acquisition? Actually, not much. And this is, this is, I'm really thankful for this, right? My best egg has been really good about limited distractions. I mean, there were some things we had to do for the sake of the transition, you know, a company dissolved and we we're all joining a new one. So some things had to happen, but we have largely been allowed to continue to follow whatever development and product development processes we need. We did make some changes internally as we were transitioning because we wanted to just make sure we were in a good place to not only monitor our own progress, but communicate that process to the larger organization. So nothing was forced upon us. These were all changes that we made. One of the bigger changes we made internally as a leadership team was a more rigorous sort of like internal monitoring process of all of our sort of like product milestones and like all the things that all the teams were working on, what were like the key objectives and the things that we're trying to hit and really focusing those on outcomes and sort of like looking at them every single week and assigning them with like a very specific status. I mean, this is a lot of companies do this red, yellow, green status green mean like everything's good we're on track we're going to hit the date we we don't even really talk about those very much yellow are the ones we talk about probably the most it's not quite on track but there's a chance to get there what are the next steps do you need anything from anyone in the team here on the call if not do you need anything from anyone in the organization who has next steps to actually go get that thing so it's really about the next steps for the yellow things and then red are just like oh man this is like this we're not going to hit it no matter what we can do you know uh here are the reasons why sometimes a red can flip to a yellow but if something is like red like generally it probably doesn't have a chance to get on track unless you change the goal itself and then mm -hmm. you know you can start over with the status and so we started doing that and it was really about practicing it internally first to make sure we had a good feel for it that alone sort of like helped increase our not only our product velocity but also just helping us identify issues early like that's the main thing there are always going to be issues and like no one's trying to I mean we're trying to prevent issues but no one is under the delusion that we can prevent 100% of issues it's identifying the ones that will happen as early as possible and making sure we have next steps to kind of resolve them. So those are like the bigger changes that we're making as the transition happened. And we stuck with that. It's a process, you know, it's really about the process itself. It's about everyone's commitment to the process. And so the fact that we committed to it and kept doing it over and over again is something that's really helped us a lot. I love that introduction of that process as a means of preparation. Uh, we just had a conversation yesterday on kind of like developer productivity. And one of the takeaways that I had was first step, just even just start any kind of baseline monitoring first, even before and taking it on initiatives to like increase velocity, productivity, etc. Like yep. just the setting that baseline can help then prepare the habit to then be able to tap into some more of those things. When you introduced that, what was that conversation like with the team to introduce sort of that new methodology? Yeah. So I remember when we introduced this, we were actually in person. So this, the deal was like kind of in progress. We we're pretty sure it was going to happen. 
Um, so we were actually meeting at the Best Egg offices, but we were still technically um, Till at the time. And so we had this very conversation. It was, you know, um, okay, how do we monitor things moving forward? Because we knew we had a lot to build, a lot of things we we're going to rebuild, and we we're going to have this big launch. And we really wanted to figure out how to set ourselves up for success from the very beginning and really be able to monitor this progress. And so that was the question. And so a bunch of us have shared paths with previous companies. A bunch of us came from Mapbox, including myself, and we had a very similar process there. So we were figuring out, well, we can't copy paste because every company is different with different personalities and whatnot. But it was recognized as something that worked really well there. So how can we have maybe a modified version of that that works for flexible rent at Best Egg? And the conversation was really about that. And so we started with like the pure old version of it. And then we were saying, well, this doesn't really work for us. We don't have these roles. We don't have this. And basically tailoring it to how we work and how we need it to work moving forward. And that's kind of how it came to be. And honestly, we were uh, initially just going to try it out. Just say like, all right, let's give mm -hmm. this a month and revisit it in a month. And if it doesn't work, we'll do something different. But it became very, very apparent that this was like a game changer in terms of how we monitor this. And so we just stuck with it. We made a few changes, but not very many. Um, and I think we're still working from the same doc to this day. I love it. Working on the same dock that shows a level of stickiness that if it isn't broke, don't fix it. So yeah, well, it's cool because you can see the um, the progress, right? Oh, so we have yeah. it where we can see the history. So we can see and we talk about this from time to time, you know, it's looking like the red wedding, you know, in, in late summer, <laughs> it's just like everything was red. It was like, oh, I don't know. And then you kind of scroll over and you see things like flipping to yellow slowly and you have a few regressions every so often, but things generally move forward. And then like now we have like a lot of green. We better. We were launching in a week and some change. <laughs> um, and so we're, we're looking really good. So um, it's been really good to kind of see that progress happen. There's some really good like implicit habit building elements from what you just shared, like in terms of creating a small experiment of give it a month as a mm -hmm. means in which to take something that could be overwhelming, make it small, give people an yep. opportunity to actually apply. But then also I think of the like the quote that like humans are motivated by progress. So giving something yeah. to show show that progress to people, especially at such a, an important inflection point in terms of the ability to showcase progress to people that maybe are unfamiliar with the the yep. development process that you have in place previously. One element that I think is really unique from the story that we don't get a lot of insight into is there was almost like a distribution model shift in terms of the mm -hmm. way that you're thinking about different elements of this. And so we'd love to talk a little bit about what that was and what that meant for engineering and how engineering sort of interfaced with a change like that. Yeah, so our distribution model has um, definitely changed. So as an independent company, the way we would get users is through deploying units on a platform. And if we have a unit on a platform, that means that's a way we can market the availability of the product and sign people up. And we get data about that unit having to do with balance and ways to be able to verify people's identity and whatnot. The way we got units on platform in the past was going directly to landlords, like institutional landlords, people with like tens of thousands of units, not the mom and pops who have like maybe one or two or even 20 units. And this was very interesting because, you know, we'd close a thousand units here, a thousand units there, depending on how big the landlord is or how much they trusted some startup saying they're going to help pay their residents rent. And this worked well. We had a sales force and, you know, we would do this. This is how we basically launched the previous version of the product. The big difference between that version and the one we're working with now with Best Egg is we have the opportunity to kind of go around landlords and work directly through the property management system. So the property management systems, they're kind of like the gatekeepers in this industry. They, they control everything, right? When you submit an application, when the background check happens, they have the accounting books, like everything exists within those systems. And this is generally for the people who do pay rent digitally, this is where they go. It's either an app or a website or something like that. 
they go there to actually pay their rent. And so what we're doing is we're embedding ourselves directly within those apps and websites as a checkout option, similar to how Buy Now Pay Later does for like shopping and things like that. Although that's where the similarities kind of end. We're very different from Buy Now Pay Later and we can talk about that, but we embed ourselves directly there. So you can choose like an ACH debit card or you choose Best Egg. If you choose us, you click the button, we take over the experience. It's largely the same application. And obviously there's some KYC stuff we have to do. Then once you enroll, we kick you out of there. And then your portal experience changes a little bit to kind of show that you're enrolled with Best Egg. We do some fancy API communication to your property management system, which makes its way to the landlord to say, all right, close the books on Patrick for the month. He's paid up. Meanwhile, you stay behind and you pick a new schedule throughout the month that's more in line with your positive cash flow. And yeah, and as long as you get that balance down to zero by the time rent is due again, we re-up essentially a, a line of credit behind the scenes. Although it doesn't really appear to be that to you, it's just paying at a different schedule because it's 0% interest. And um, yeah, and we just do the dance all over again until you cancel us or you move away or whatever uh, other terminal event happens. So is, it, that, is that how you would say it's different than buy now, pay later is that it's adjusting sort of the payment schedule for rent, but less from the property owner side and more on like the renter side? Well, that is one difference, but I think there are two like big fundamental differences, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, one is we don't allow this concept of debt stacking. If you go to Macy's.com and you check out with like a buy now, pay later provider, like you do all of that, you go through the process, they'll give you a loan and you pay on some schedule and that's fine. But then you can probably go to some other website and check out with either the same buy now, pay later or like a different one and that's fine but now you have two bnpl loans that you need to pay back and presumably you can do it three or four times or whatever i don't know if there's a limit or whatever we don't allow that right so you can only borrow rent for one month at a time and you need to get that balance down to zero before we will re-up that same line of credit and we do this not only to protect ourselves as a business but also to protect the consumer right we have this thing dating back to when we were independent about a win-win-win right when we deploy something it needs to be a win for the business obviously because we need to Stay in business. It needs to be a win for our partners, but it also needs to be a win for residents. So we wouldn't do anything to put them in their financial lives at risk. And so we won't allow them to sort of continue borrowing until you get that balance down to zero. So the other big difference is, you know, if you pay attention to the news, BNPL comes under a bit of fire because, you know, arguably they entice people to conduct transactions that they normally wouldn't because the existence of BNPL. I'm sure they would refute that, but whether or not you believe it, but that is the perception of the case. Regardless, we're very different than that because best deck flexible rent comes in after the transaction has already happened. So the transaction being the signing of the lease. When you sign a lease for your rent, you are agreeing to pay this amount every single month for the next 12 months. It isn't until that has already happened that we come into the picture and say, okay, you've already agreed to pay this amount. Let's help you pay it more successfully in smaller chunks as opposed to all at once on the first of the month. And so we're very different in that way. So we don't entice people to like go rent a second apartment or whatever the equivalent would be in flexible rent. So we come in after that transaction has already happened simply to help people pay it down a little bit easier. I I really just appreciate the focus and prioritization of supporting the people paying rent in different ways and can imagine the impact when people have just a little bit more of that flexibility to be able to make that type of payment. That has a huge impact on a lot of people. Yeah. And hopefully more people here pretty soon. I mean, um, 
you know, we've talked a little bit about this, alluded to it, but we're launching with our first property management system partner in about a week here. You know, that, that company's called MRI, really great bunch of folks. Our goal is to have 30% of the rental housing market by the end of the year. And that's just with our first three partnerships. We still have other partners we're still in early conversations with. And so, you know, this was a brand new product category just a couple of years ago. And the whole idea of paying rent not on the first um, and not having to face some sort of penalty was a bit unheard of. We're hoping that by the end of the year, this will be something that is normal and, you know, a lot of people will be able to benefit from. And then obviously moving forward, we just want to get as many people as possible on the platform. 30% of rental market by end of year is a pretty nuts, quick uh, spread. I mean, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. So, <laughs> you know, we're we're going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we've talked a little bit about the company transition. So communicating mm-hmm. and bringing people along. We've talked a little bit about the product launch and release difference. We'd love to talk a little bit more about, about you with, with your role and your role's transition. What's it been like to relearn your role now as part of a broader engineering org with a lot of different functions and capabilities? Yeah, it's funny you, you framed it that way because it has been a relearning because some things are largely the same, right? I still lead the product and engineering teams um, with flexible rent. um, And that was the case before we were acquired. There's the diagram that everyone shows where you have like two people and there's like one line of communication, then you add a third person and then it increases the line of communications and there's like this increase. And so with Best Egg as a larger organization, there are just so many more people to establish communications and build relationships with that that's been a good chunk of my job. And it's been like actually super important because we need relationships with these people in order to get things done right across the org, right? Because there's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of systems that, you know, my team doesn't own and that we need to rely on, you know, as we're launching in production. And so that's been a really big part of my job is making sure we've established those communications and relationships effectively so that we can actually work with everyone. Um, So that's a big piece of it. Also, in some ways, my job is like shrunk a little bit. So when we're independent, you know, I had to do all the recruiting and all that stuff for like my teams, sort of myself, right? So I was kind of by myself. But, you know, at Best Egg, we have, you know, a world-class recruiting team. They're really great. And so they're really sort of like pounding the pavement out there and talking to people, especially now with a lot of the layoffs that are happening and really helping identify talent. So that's really freed up a lot of my time to really refocus on my team and the Best Egg organization as a whole internally to make sure we're set up for success. So in in those ways, it's really changed. And so in some ways, it's a change in the role. But in a lot of ways, it's the same role with like different time allocations, if that makes sense. As soon as you described sort of the exponential increase in communication pathways, but how critical those were, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm stressed. (laughs) Um, Just thinking about that. But the ability to to build relationships and able to support the impact of everybody, I think is really powerful. With that exponential increase in communication, stakeholders, and people to help make things happen, I also imagine there's a lot of different sort of dependencies that have to be navigated. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if you talk a little bit about what's it like to work with or navigate new dependencies or more dependencies and make that shift. Pros and cons. Uh, on one hand, it takes stuff off of our plates. So to just say like, oh, this is a system that we need, a core decisioning system, right? Underwriting. But on the other hand, it's out of our control. So product engineering teams talk about this all the time. But, you know, if a system is under your control, then, you know, you can take care of all of the caring and feeding it needs in order to provide you with stability and uptime and all the core operating metrics and, and things that we need to monitor and make sure everything is good. So taking it off your plate is theoretically positive, but also you lose control of those things. And 
that can be really hard when it's crunch time, you need to build and, you know, the external dependency is a new thing as well. So like maybe stability is not quite what you want it to be today. So that team is working really hard to get it there. And you feel nervous because you don't control that thing. You know, if it was you, you can go in there and like make it happen. But like now you need to rely on other people. And so that's sort of like the balance the team is trying to strike and deal with today. Just dealing with other dependencies is not necessarily a, a bad thing because it does take things off your plate. But there is a relinquishing of control that, you know, you have to do. And also like we're still like this thing, this acquisition just happened. So we're still operating and thinking like a startup and like we have to go out and we need to own it like extreme ownership. You know, if this thing is crucial to production, like I need to get my arms around it so I can make sure it works well. We're still sort of like I don't want to say unlearning because that's like a thing that I want. I don't want people to uh, like unlearn, but we're still trying to figure out how to do that in the context of this larger organization. Um, and some of that just means like continuing to view everyone else as part of the team as well. And like they're also part of the flexible rent team, even though they don't necessarily have a reporting line up to myself or David, who is the general manager now and saying like, we do have control over this through these people who are working on this full time, but I have to establish that relationship with them to make sure that I can work effectively with them to figure out what the issues may be and then resolve them in a way that, you know, makes everyone happy. It's like changing some patterns, patterns of operating. I had one more, I had one more question before we jump into to some rapid fire questions to, to wrap things up. So you mentioned, you know, 30% of market share, end of year sort of scale. Um, I know you'd mentioned there's been sort of a, almost like a paradigm shift in terms of how to think about planning for scale from like a technical and a non-technical side. Uh, so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about, you know, that perspective. What's it been like to shift that scale of thinking? It's been interesting. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people are probably interested in like the tech, but in a lot of ways, you know, the tech is the easy part. Like we have tools and things available to help us plan for this scale. We have a, uh, a pattern. We have a history. We know like what the adoption curves are likely going to look like. And so in a lot of ways, we can plan the technical stuff very effectively. So that's not that big of a deal. It's really when you start to think about how people will receive this product overall, because I mentioned this is a brand new product category. You know, we've had some people we've been working with tens of thousands over the last few years. But at the very same time, the vast majority of people still don't really know about flexible rent as like a product. Mm -hmm. And so how they will respond to that. So that human behavior, edge cases we used to see with the old version of the product are now no longer going to be edge cases. They're going to happen quite often simply because of the scale. And so dealing with that human behavior is going to be super important. And, you know, for us, we're always looking for ways to expand the scope of people with whom we can actually work. And so as we do that, we bring new personas onto the platform. And so dealing with those folks and how they may behave and who's actually going to pay us back versus not and learning lessons from that. And, you know, could we have learned this, you know, early on? And those are the things we need to like make sure we are planning for it. And like, they're really hard to test. I mean, you can't test for those, right? David and I talk about this all the time. And like, you can't really test human behavior. You can sort of like in, in a vacuum and a little bit bit and, you know, you can get some folks to kind of test the thing for you, but it's not until you really get this thing out into the world that you know how people are going to respond to it and, and what's actually going to happen. Especially when it's, you know, a paradigm shifting product that people have not interacted with before, like flexible rent. So yeah. And then, you know, they'll start one way and then end up another. I mean, if you think about it, you know, when social media you know, was first peaking in, I guess, all the way back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And people use social media one way, and then you fast forward to today, it's a completely different thing. It has the same label, but people use it differently. It's more embedded within our lives. And so we're going to see those changes over time with Flexible Rent and whatever other products we decide to bring to the market. 
Absolutely. All right, Johnny, we've got a, a couple minutes left. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I guess so. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So this is my favorite question, I think, for you, because to me, I consider you like one of the tastemakers of the pop culture cinema internet for me. So um, <laughs> I've been very much looking forward to your response here. What are you reading or listening to right now? And we can even addendum it to what are you watching, but I'll leave that up to you. Uh, let's see. So I'm, I'm very, I've been doing audiobooks ever since COVID. And so my latest audiobook, let me see, it's called Dark Money by Jane Mayer. And it's really about, you know, the history of extreme wealth in this country and how its influence over our political system has sort of like uh, morphed over time. So it's like super intriguing. I'm trying, so I'm like reading about the history of, you know, how people got super rich and like what they do with that money. And, you know, obviously political influence is at the heart of it. It's very much like a left-leaning book, but for me, it's really all about just learning the history and the context. So that's one thing I'm quote unquote reading. One thing I'm watching right now is is a show called Snowfall. It takes place back in the 80s, and it I don't know if it's about conspiracy theory necessarily or if this is a thing that actually happened, but the idea that the CIA was actually bringing cocaine into the states to sell in order to use the money to sort of like fund communist governments around the world. Like a fascinating like premise on its own, just like the scope of this, like global scope. I was going back and forth to Twitter user while I was like, this might be better than The Wire in some ways, but from like a scope standpoint, and the performances are really really great. It was started by the uh, the late, great John Singleton, but it's a really good show, really good performances all around. And, you know, even though the scope is huge, they do a really good job of focusing on like the individual characters and, you know, how they interact with this. And it's been fascinating. So it's been really great. Franklin Saint, I think, is such a, Franklin a, Saint, a compelling, yeah. a compelling character. And I'm a lifelong Raiders fan. And so the LA Raiders sort of era nostalgia, like really fires me up. So, you know, and my, and my wife and I are watching it together, you know, kind of see Franklin's fall from like first season, first episode, super innocent kid against violence. Like he didn't want to get into fights. He certainly couldn't shoot anyone. And like now he's just like pow, 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 bang, bang, bang. Like literally, where's my effing money? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just see that happen. It's just been fascinating. So yeah, it's been yeah, great. Absolutely. Such a great, such a great recommendation. Rapid fire questions back on track. What's a tool or methodology that's had a big impact on you? All right. So for years, I had been like looking for the perfect to-do list because like I have all these things that I need to do and like I could never track them effectively. So I finally downloaded and started using very consistently. Uh, it's called Things 3, I think. It's a really great to-do app, has really great shortcuts, and it like it really keeps me organized. Like as soon as someone says something, it's like, oh man, I got to do a thing. I hit a shortcut on my keyboard and it's like, boom, put it on my list. It's a thing that goes into your inbox and you can organize your inbox and say, okay, this is due today or this is due another date, or this is a project that I'm going to work on someday. So you can like stash that aside. And so getting into the habit of using that every single day, all day, and then revisiting and like keeping me on track has been like really great. So definitely recommend that. All right. Last question, Johnny, to, to wrap us up. Is there a quote or mantra that you live by or a quote that's been resonating with you right now? So we kind of talked a little bit about this when we were talking about protecting your energy at the very beginning. You know, I joked about being old, but one of the things I have learned so like as I've been getting older is the world is very indifferent to our like wants and desires and, and, and like the things that we want out of life. And it's going to throw a lot of curveballs at you. And there's just so many things you just cannot control. And you just absolutely cannot let those things darken your heart for lack of a better metaphor, right? You know, you have to continue to be the person, you know, you 
want to be. And, you know, you have to just deal with those curveballs in the best way you can, right? As life gives you lemon, make lemonade. So, I mean, it's cheesy. It's kind of a truism at this point, but I think that's for a reason. I think it's true. You get to a certain point in life, you know, you spend a lot of time in your youth rebelling, trying to change a lot of things and you're, you're going to have different degrees of success. But at some point you start to realize, all right, I've changed a lot and I'm going to continue fighting the good fight, but I have to work smarter than that. You know, I have kids now. I have to make the world a better place for them. I have to leave it in a better place than I can. And so I have to be a lot more pragmatic in my decisions. And so these are the things I come to come to learn. Awesome. A powerful way to send us off. Johnny, thank you so much for guiding us through some of the the lessons and pulling back the curtain behind the, the recent acquisition experience and sharing the things that worked. Also, just thank you again for just being an incredible uh, beacon amongst the, the social media universe and exposing me to <laughs> some really cool things to continue to just make life a little bit brighter. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks, Patrick. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure that you click subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And if you love the show, we also have a ton of other ways to stay involved with the engineering leadership community. To stay up to date and learn more about all of our upcoming events, our peer groups, and other programs that are going on, head to sfelc.com. That's sfelc.com. See you next time on the Engineering Leadership Podcast.